With one hand, we reach back to the tried and tested principles which have dethroned principalities and powers. And with the other, we reach forward to the purpose, the power of God for a new generation. You may be seated. Let's think about that for a minute. What's the first line of the song? Praise. Praise. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. All right, so let's, let's think about it doctrinally. Let's think about it doctrinally. What can you get out of that first line? What... what what can you draw strength from, from that first line? Number one, praise. Because praise is a command, it's not a suggestion. Right, right, right. Right? Praise is for what God has done. Has done. I'm going to try again. Praise is for what God has done is doing and will yet do for we trust that he has delivered yes, he yes, yes. does deliver and Hallelujah. he shall yet deliver you got that that's doctrine that's doctrine jesus is my homeboy is not doctrine this is doctrine this is doxology Are you with me? Okay. So praise what? Eternal. Omnipotent. Omniscient. Ever-living. Life-giving. Creator. Establisher. Judge. Nobody, nobody likes when you get to that point. Judge. From whom? What? Next word. Three letters. What? All. All blessings flow. Some people say, when I say God healed me of vocal cord cancer, or when I say God healed my son Austin Chandler, they say, how can you say God did it when Austin had every therapy known to humanity? He had speech therapy. He had audio therapy. He had water therapy. He had physical therapy. We had therapy because we had to learn because of the way his brain was wired differently than ours, he learned differently than we do. Are you with me so far? Stay with me now. Praise God from whom all blessings. So if that's doctrine, if, if that's theology, if that is orthodoxy, Orthodoxy. 
then how could you ever say God gave you sickness and pain? Not if that is orthodoxy. But if you don't know that's orthodoxy, if you don't know what orthodoxy is, if you don't know what theology is, you have no foundation for living this Christian life outside this room or that television screen. You're just shooting in the wind. You're just guessing along the way. You're just attempting to hope, but you really don't have hope because hope does not exist without a foundation. You can't have hope unless you know what you're hoping in. Hope like faith is not blind. Are we going anywhere? Okay, so they'll say to me, they'll say about Austin, they'll say, well, you use doctors. Yes. You, Pastor Parsley, had 28 radiation treatments. I don't need you to tell me. I was there, strapped and bolted to that slab. I was there. But somebody had to create that slab. Somebody had to put in the mind of some scientist somewhere that they could use radio radiation waves right, right, right. to burn tumors off of my vocal cord. Somebody did that. Right. It was not a doctor. It was not UCLA. It was not some scientist tucked away somewhere. It was God, the giver of all blessings. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light with whom there's no variableness. He is the healer. That's right, that's right. So I thank a doctor, I thank a scientist, but I worship the giver of all blessings. Did I just help you? Orthodoxy. What do we believe? Why do we believe it? I I personally requested this song. And I'll tell you why. I love every, every, I love all music. But most Christian music on your radio, I wouldn't give you five cents for. Because it says absolutely nothing. That's why I don't read contemporaries. Because they basically say nothing. But it's bad, but everybody whoop, because it's going to get better. The next Sunday, it's bad. But everybody whoop, because it's going to get better. Destiny. How come preachers always preaching about destiny, but they don't ever preach that anybody ever got there? Destiny has to do with a destination. You're supposed to end up somewhere. You're supposed to be progressing. 
Praise who? Yahweh. Praise who? Jehovah Shalom. By the first two words, whatever you need just got supplied. I need peace, shalom. I need the presence of God, shama. I need to be freed from my lack of holiness. What, it's hard to shout because you don't really know what holiness is. Because some backslidden preacher in some backslidden denomination told you it was how you wore your sleeves. I said it. Get close up when I say stuff like that. I dealt with a woman today so riddled. I don't mean she had a difficult time. I mean riddled with guilt. Felt like there's no way she could ever measure up. Raised in a Pentecostal church. Every time she messed up, I'm going to hell. Every time she didn't get it right, I'm going to hell. Literally living in overwhelming, absolute bondage. This book says, orthodoxy says, he that the sun sets free is free indeed. Actually said, how can pastors say, that he's absolutely 1,000% sure that he's going to heaven. Here's what your salvation is based on. It has nothing to do with you. And if it has to do with you, it's not Christianity. Not of works, another great hymn, not of works that I have done. That's not about works. So then you feel guilty when you mess up in the works. So you try to do more works, which makes you religious and further separated from him. Unless it's kingdom works, birthed in you by the Holy Ghost in your relationship with him. But going to heaven has to do with him and not you. It was his cross. It was his sinless life because you don't have one. You didn't hear a word I just said. I said it had to do with his sinless life, not ours because we don't have one. He had one. Tempted in every situation like us, yet orthodoxy, without sin. Over 50% of so-called evangelical Christians no longer believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. Well, if he didn't, hell's your eternity and there's no escaping it. That's orthodoxy. From whom some of the blessings flow, 
But a lot of them I just do because I'm so cool. I'm so holy. You're like the Pharisees praying in the temple. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, that I am not like him. Your righteousness, your righteousness, your sanctified righteousness, you're trying to do everything right. Righteousness is filthy orthodoxy. The minute you start thinking your righteousness don't stink, you're unorthodox. This is going to be fun. I mean, somebody should have gotten free already free to believe for divine healing and divine intervention and free to believe that the doctor has the wisdom to help you yes 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 because every good gift if it's if it's not a good gift it didn't come from that's right i get all that right. out of one line of a song written under the anointing that has to do with doctrine, theology, and orthodoxy, and not entertainment and style. Man, you don't have to be dressed up right. You don't have, you don't have to be able to tune. I get tired of tuning. Sing the song. Will you? Good songs are like the Bible. Woe be to him that adds to or takes away from. Just sing it. Just say it. I mean, you can get alone in your car, in your barn, in the office at work. And if you can't carry a tune of a frog, that song will still work for you. Give me another line. I might spend all night on it. Praise him all what? And he made man in his likeness, in his image, and gave him dominion over all the creeps. Every creeping thing. Didn't he? I said, didn't he? And are you a creature? If you are a creature, creature denotes creator. You did not evolve. Now you don't know, you don't know how to look at me. You did not evolve. I'm gonna try again. You did not evolve. You were created. You are a creature and you were created, which means there is a creation, which means if there's a book, 
there is an author, if there is a bicycle, there is a bicycle maker, and if there is a you, you had a creator, and because you did, he knows everything about you, and the very hairs of your head are numbered. just trying to help some people understand how we got to have more than whooping. We got to have more than entertainment from the pulpit. We got nothing to stand on. All creatures here below For he has made man a little lower than God. Not the angels. That's a horrible translation of King James. A little lower than God. So you above everything else, the apex of his creation, the top dog, the top of the line, the top tier of the creative order of God. That's who you are. Woo! And the only thing above you, He's all you reach up to. He's all you pray to. He's all you hope in. He's all you believe in. Everything else is under your feet. You have dominion. Praise him, all creatures here below. Change. Praise him above. Ye heavenly hosts. Angelology. Angelology. The study of angelic beings is orthodoxy learning about them understanding how in God's order he created them to serve you the heirs of salvation hearkening to the voice of the word of God through you that's orthodoxy well I don't believe in angels well you're unorthodox Your theology is messed up. Praise him above, ye heavenly hosts. I'm going I'm to flip you out some more. We, this, these are just things that come to me. As standing here in front of you, I meditate out loud on what that means. On what that means. Ye heavenly hosts. This book says... That you and I are surrounded, encompassed, roundabout with the spirits of just men made perfect. Those that have already those are those that have already gone on. That's how I can operate in a Sumrall anointing, a Dr. Oral Roberts anointing. An Amy Simple McPherson anointing. A Jesus anointing. 
leaning over the sapphire sill of heaven's gate, and it's embezzled arches. They're watching us. Woo! Wow! Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise what? Trinity. Trinity. We pray to the Father in Jesus' name under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Well, I don't understand how three can be one. You are. If they cut off your finger and threw it on a table, is that you? Well, if, the, if they cut off your hand, throw it on the table, is that you? I see these blessed, wonderful servants of America willing to lay their lives down so I can stand here tonight and go to some crazy war in Afghanistan for 20 years and then watch our government pull out and tuck tail after they lost both their legs. And then I see them giving testimony. Those legs are not me. What am I telling you? That body is not you. That body is a part of you. That body is what you live in. I'm talking to you about orthodoxy. What you believe. And I don't mean what you mentally assent to. I'm not talking about what you agree with because you're going to find out that orthodoxy has nothing to do with what you agree with, has nothing to do with your opinion, has nothing to do with subjective truth and everything to do with objective truth. They are totally different things. Well, what's the difference? Well, I'm going to tell you. Aren't you glad you came? Praise Father, praise Son, Christology. The study of Christ. You got a little bit of that when we took you through some Sunday nights and, and we trained you from three different wonderful professors what Christ means. Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. Christ, Lamb of God, Son of God, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Three, the number of the perfection of God. Spirit, soul, body. You are a spirit. You live in a body and you possess a soul, a mind, a will, and emotions. Because God made you in his image. So if he has three parts, you have three parts. And don't tell me they can't all agree in one. Because I see you right now. And your eyes are not doing what your feet is doing. But you are doing both. Holy Ghost. Pneumatology. Pneumatology. If you don't know how to spell it, ask Siri. Pneumatology is the study of the Holy Spirit.
the study of the gifts of the Spirit. There are three major categories. One category has nine gifts and three categories within it. This, this is orthodoxy. What you believe. Why do you believe it? Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. John 17, 17, and let's get started. Are you ready? All right. John 17, 17, one of the very first scriptures that I memorized as a very, very, very little boy. John 17, 17, my mom and dad sat me down at the kitchen table, turned all three of the channels on television that we had in black and white off. Nobody, nobody heard me. We sat down at the kitchen table. That's where we ate as a family. Because a family is orthodoxy. This nation has gone mad attempting to change God's divine order. That a marriage is the union of one man and one woman who reproduce and have children that they raise in a home in the fear and the admonition of God. Now, that's what God said a family was. This culture has corrupted that, so we have to attempt to make do in the midst of our mess. I'm going to get to that. God created two institutions. This is orthodoxy. Two institutions. They are what? The home, number one. Number two? The church, that's it. Everything else is man-created. Governments are man-created. You say, well, does that mean that God can't intervene in governments? Oh, he certainly can if he can get past the knuckle-headed people running it who are God-haters, God-deniers, church-despisers. So it's kind of hard for him to work, except that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. Wow. Emma from California. My mother is dealing with spiritual oppression. Okay, this is something that's blowing up all over the internet. I rebuke oppression from your mother. Lay your hands on your mother and rebuke spiritual oppression. If it is spiritual oppression, it will leave immediately. Clifford needs help with his finances. Pamela in Ohio needs help with her family. Leonard in Michigan. Sister Mary just had a biopsy from her neck, praying that it's negative for cancer. I rebuke cancer and every cancer cell. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It is not made for fornication, according to the Bible, and it is not made for sickness and disease. Cancer is alien to your body, and I command it in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of you. All right. Are we in John 17? If you got it, shout, I got it. Now, if you saw on the, on the reply that I gave to a post on, 
on whc.life, they said I was going to begin this series tonight. And, and on that thing, I said, be there. I'm glad you listened. And then I said, bring somebody. I don't know if you got that part. I said, bring a friend, bring some family. Don't know if you got that part. Then I said, bring a notepad, bring an iPad, bring your phone, bring something to write on. Because again, this is not whooping time. There's a time for whooping. There's a time for everything under the sun. This is a time to get you rooted and grounded in what you believe. Because I'm telling you right now, the church at large has become ignorant. We don't know anything. The difference between the church of the 90s and the church today is unrecognizable. And most of it is because the church has adopted the culture of the outside world and brought it into the church and made an amalgamation. Did you hear me? God shares his glory with nobody. And that includes the culture and your life. If you think God is going to participate in a strong and meaningful way in your life, when you have adopted the culture of the world in your thinking, in your philosophy, in your behavior, you are wrong because God will mix with nothing. He understands purity. God, here's orthodoxy, God is absolutely holy which is beyond your comprehension. God is absolutely holy. Therefore, God is absolutely powerful. Take crude oil, refine it, and you'll get uh, kerosene. Take kerosene, refine it, you'll get gasoline. Take gasoline, you refine it. What does it mean to refine? It means to withdraw all impurities. I don't know if anybody's here or not. The more you get rid of you, the more you got him. The more you get rid of the world, the more you got kingdom. Ah! You, you good? So then you refine gasoline and you get Jet A. Now you try to put kerosene in your jet airplane, you're going to be grounded. You with me? Because it's not pure enough. If God tries to deposit holiness in you, He has to get rid of impurities first. Why don't I have power with God? Check your purity. Check your refinement. Check what you spend your time on. Check the words of your mouth. Check the attitude of your heart. Thy word, O oh God, have I hidden in my heart that I might not be contaminated by sin. Wow. 
Wow, here it is. Everybody shout it. Foundation. This is truth. This does not contain truth, and it is unencumbered by the ideas and the philosophies of men. It is not a philosophy book, although it contains philosophy. It is not a medical book, although it contains healing. It is not a psychiatric book, a book of psychiatry, but it will fix your mind. Because in Christology, Christology, you will find out that that mind which dwelt in Christ Jesus is supposed to be dwelling in you richly also by the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't have to ask, what would Jesus do? You just do what Jesus did because you've given way to his philosophy. How can I be a racist and have his philosophy? How can I be a bigot and have his philosophy? It's quiet in here. Well, I was raised in so-and-so. Yeah, everybody was raised somewhere. But some of us got, some of us died and got raised again. Somebody shout. Say it one more time. In his high priestly prayer, Jesus said, read the 17th chapter of John tonight before you go to bed. Please read it. The 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. It is where Jesus is praying as a priest bringing you into the presence of the Father. And there he said, Father, take this bunch out here and sanctify them. Now before that, he says, they are not of this world as I am not of this world. But then he says, sanctify them, set them apart, distinguish them, make them different, differently made. Sanctify them. Make them different. Don't let them be conformed, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Conformed, conned. Don't let them be conned into thinking that they have anything to do with this world. They are not of this world as I am not of this world. That's what Jesus said. Then he said, because they're in the world, he said, I don't pray that you would take them out of the world, but that you would sanctify them in the world. Jesus Sat with sinners. That's orthodox. But it's not complete. He did not sin with sinners. Hold on on now. 
Sanctify them. Say, I'm supposed to be sanctified. Who's the sanctifier? Jesus. Father, sanctify them and through your truth. Watch, watch me now. This is not about your truth. If you went to university for four years, you got filled every day with you're supposed to have your truth and she's supposed to have her truth and they've got their truth and you don't have any right to say that your truth is more truth than anybody else's truth. Here a truth, there a truth, everywhere a truth, truth. Truth is not truth unless it is distinguished from error. Two and two is four. Genetic biology determines your sex, not your truth. Your truth does not determine your sex. Because your truth is in error. Because the truth said he created them male and female, created he them. Now because you have some different philosophy doesn't affect truth. See, you feel afraid to applaud. You don't know what to do because you feel pressure from out there. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Yeah, but you don't understand. We in love, you in lust, because love is patient. Love ain't in no hurry. I dated my Joni, and she was pure as the new driven snow. And I dated her for seven years. I wasn't in no hurry. Oh, we got to get married. Or you got to deal with your lust. See, you don't want to go here. You don't want orthodoxy. Shacking up is not in the book. Yeah, but it's cheaper for us, young. Boy, this is going to be fun, man. You ready? Charles Spurgeon. Ah! This is why I don't read contemporaries, but I read Spurgeon. Commonly said Spurgeon, it is found in theology. That which is true is not new. That which is true is not new. Oh, I found a new revelation. God showed me that there's, there's several ways you can get to God. God showed me that everybody is born again. Everybody is going to heaven. And God showed me that. 
People have been celebrating that for the last two weeks. All over the internet. Celebrating it. Celebrating people that espouse that. That teach that. It's awful quiet in this Orthodox church. If everybody is saved from the cross forward, then how come the book said God at one time winked at ignorance, but now commandeth all men to repentance? If everybody's going to make it to heaven, then we all ought to just live like the devil, eat, drink, and be merry, murder, kill, maim, like Hamas. Quiet in here. God has a people, too. It's in this book. Commonly, it is found in theology or the study of God. In theology, that which is true is not new, and that which is new is not true. All these folks that come up with new doctrines and get on the internet, and people follow them because they have no foundation. They don't know what to follow. So they follow whatever seems right in their own eyes. Not what they're rooted in from the book. You know, I hear things all the time. Well, Daddy, you know, uh, I hear this from preachers, you know, call me, call me their father. Well, Daddy, you know, you know, you, you know we have to, you know, it's, it's not the same now. Really. When did he change? When did the book change? When did truth change? That's why. That's why it's orthodoxy. Because it is established. It has, ah, it has a track record. It has been proven. Wow, this is good, isn't it? I'm, I'm not even through the, the text and the first quote. Everybody say that. Commonly, it is found in theology that that which is true is not new, and that which is new is not true. Well, we don't believe that people need to be born again anymore. Okay, then take John chapter 3 and tear it out of your Bible. Get you some pot, roll it up in the paper, and smoke it. It's all legal now, so it must be okay. Because we don't determine what is okay anymore by what the book says, but by what some legislator that was drunk the night before with somebody else's wife passed into law. 
Okay. Here we go. Would you like for me to define orthodoxy for you? So when I say orthodoxy, you know what I'm talking about. You ready? It means holding established beliefs, especially in religion. They are known to be orthodox. They have an orthodoxy. I'll give it to you again. Those of you at home, are you getting this? Let me give it to you again. Holding established beliefs. Established beliefs. Not what you decided to believe after you got your boyfriend. Before that, you were up in the dorms. Uh, no premarital sex. Then you got a boyfriend, and all that went out the window. You know, the fogged up windows. I wasn't born yesterday. Well, we engage now, so it's okay. The book don't say nothing about test driving. What are you, what are you talking about? This is how sick we are. And it sounds funny, but I promise you that Jesus that shed his blood to save you is not laughing. Okay. Somebody tell me, what's orthodoxy? Holding established beliefs, especially in religion. And if you hold them, that means they don't change. If you believed it Tuesday, you believe it Thursday. All right. Secondly, it is the authorized or generally accepted theory, doctrine, and or practice. In other words, this is what we believe, therefore this is what we do. Say that with me. This is what we believe. Therefore, that informs our actions. This is what I believe. Therefore, this is what I do. I mean, bring it way down. This is what you believe. Therefore, this is what you do. Somebody treats you wrong, so you get revenge. Revenge, vengeance, orthodoxy. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You better stay out of vengeance. This is the way to live. This is not some church service, and we all took a run, and we all shouted and bucked. This is how to live. And then we're losing this battle because we got backslidden preachers in backslidden churches trying to preach to backslidden people because they don't know anything. It comes from the Greek roots, a orthos, orthos, 
orthodoxy. The Greek words are orthos, which means right or true. Orthos, right, true. And doxa, which means opinion. So then it means right or true opinion. Now, if it's right and true, it's right and true. Doesn't matter how you feel about it. It doesn't matter what your opinion is about it. And I'm going to fix that. You ready? Now, let me define doctrine. But because doctrine is a major part of orthodoxy. Orthodoxy is built upon doctrine. Doctrine is a belief or many beliefs held, taught by a church. Mr. Webster stuck in political party or other group. So, in our context, we're talking about doctrine being such things as the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of righteousness, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of eschatology, the doctrine of Christology, the doctrine of pneumatology. I told you what all those were earlier. We are not referring, everybody get this now because I sure don't want you confused about this. We are not referring to the institution known as the Orthodox Church. Because there, there's an Orthodox Church like there's a Methodist Church. You with me? And, and so we're not, we're not talking about that. The Orthodox Church includes the Eastern Orthodox Church. It includes the Greek Orthodox Church. But mostly it involves officially the Catholic, of the Catholic Orthodox Church. Okay, so those are, those are groups that use the name Orthodoxy. Just like we Baptists use the name Orthodoxy. Baptist, because we believe in baptizing. Do you understand? Okay. So again, orthodoxy is this, holding to and practicing. It's not just, it's not just we believe this. It's that our belief informs our action. What we hold to be true informs the way we live every area of our life every day. That's the reason it's silly for politicians to say, well, I, I am a strong religious person, but I don't allow, allow it to affect my political life. <laughs> what, you, you turn off righteousness when you walk in the Congress? Holiness? Thou shalt not lie? I knew a guy that was a horse trader one time, and I saw him do something that was really unorthodox, right? It wasn't according to truth. And I said, you, you sold that horse for three times more than you know it's worth. He said, hey, preacher, church is church, business is business. And that's the way a lot of folks live their life. Isn't that good? 
orthodoxy is holding to and practicing the established beliefs and authorized accepted theory doctrine of our church now i i went a long way to get there take take it back let's look at it again holding the established beliefs especially in religion and the authorized or generally accepted theory doctrine or practice of our church now it got really quiet you know what believers have turned into miriams now see some of you don't know your bible enough to know that even what that means you don't know who miriam was some bible college student tell me who miriam was who was miriam boy i got to talk to some professors at valor christian college who is miriam in the bible moses sister miriam they cross what the red sea not you elder we know you know it the red sea are you getting this stephanie are you getting this jacqueline in texas stormy in michigan thank all these people for joining us tonight doris in texas robert in indiana milica in Indiana, Stephen in California, Scotty in Mississippi, Kida in Nigeria, Julius in Mississippi, Kenda in Nigeria, Sarah in Georgia. All these folks, thousands of them. Amen. Denver in South Africa, Joshua in Australia. Deborah in California, Roger in Illinois, Tanisha who's believing for salvation, to just ask him in your heart. Lois in Nevada, Joyce in Illinois, Ben in South Carolina. My great God, we got Crystal in Ohio. We got Ronald in Florida. If I was you, I'd, I'd join Florida State and I'd tell everybody in America that they got the shaft. I ain't going to go into that because it's not orthodox. <laughs> Amen. Therefore, the subtitle of this series, which is called Orthodoxy, is what we believe and why. And that becomes the foundation, that becomes the framework necessary to establish Pentecostal orthodoxy because our times demand it, our history compels it, and our future requires it. I'm going to jump ahead just for a minute because I think this is, I just, this just turned my crank, man. Let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. Hallelujah. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff. Let's see. Oh, here it is. Take heart. Now remember, we as a church body, right, are Pentecostal, charismatic Christians. That's who we are. So if you're wondering about our doctrine, if you're wondering about our orthodoxy, if you're wondering what we believe, we are Pentecostal, charismatic Christians. That's what we are. Okay, 
I'll be giving you what we believe week after week after week. So I hope you won't hurry me. Do you really want to learn? I mean, I'm just hungry, folks. I lived through the 90s. I, I lived where I had to take two semi-truckloads of cassette tapes to every meeting I ever preached anywhere because people would fight over them to get the word. Now you can promise them $1,000 to show up and they'll stay home. No hunger, no passion, no desire. I'll tell you why. Because they don't see it working in their lives and they don't because they don't know anything. 40% of all Pentecostal Christians stopped attending church in person after COVID and they have not returned. 60% of the people that attended on Sunday night stopped coming and have not returned. 80% of the people that attended midweek have stopped coming and have never returned. Think of that. What happened? Huh? I'm going to get to it. How have you been so easily deceived? Having begun in faith, Paul said, who has bewitched you? That's strong. Say, I ain't playing with it. Okay, watch this. Little. Take heart. So we are Pentecostal Charismatics. According to the World Christian Encyclopedia, when I was born in January of 1957, that means I'm about to be 67. But don't tell me because I just refuse it. I've seen people that were 67 when they were 30. Amen. Amen. Listen to this now. In 1957, you'll love this, Elder Canfield. You'll love this at home, Margaret in Maryland and Thomas in California. Watch this. In 1957, there were 10 million of us in the world. 10 million. Do you have that? Okay. How many? I'm going to ask you next Wednesday. In 1957, how many Pentecostals were there in the world? There were 10 million. I'm going to ask you next Wednesday. Amen. Here's why. By 1982, by 1982, that number had swollen to 52 million. From 10 million to 52 million. In 2023, there are 644 million Pentecostals charismatics in the world. It is still and has been since the 50s the fastest growing Protestant denomination in the world. You are not alone. You're not some little group hidden out somewhere like Pentecostals used to be. Look, I remember when the Pentecostal churches were the ones back across the tracks. I never could find the tracks, but they were the ones back yonder. 
they talked in tongues. They believed in healing. They shouted. They danced. They clapped. You know, there are bands on clapping. Bands on clapping. What do you do with clap your hands, all you people? And the very ones that say don't clap, shout. It's in the same verse. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. If it's new, probably not true. And if it's true, it's probably not new. They've been talking in tongues since Acts chapter 2. I'm a poet and don't know it. Okay, you want me to stop? Okay. Say, I'm a part of something great. Stop letting people intimidate you and mock you and make you feel ashamed. They have no right. You have a hold of absolute truth. I will dance because he set my feet to dancing. I will shout because he commanded me to and there was a time I couldn't. This is orthodoxy. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the power of the resurrection of the dead. You think tongues is something? Wait till we all start busting out of graves. Because we're going to. Woo! All right. Be seated. Now, I'm going to be getting into some stuff. I want you to take your note. What are we going to read tonight before we go to bed? What is John 17? The high priestly prayer of Jesus. John 17. The high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus. Father, here's our text. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. What is truth? What is true? Need you go any further? There is a whole movement. Brothers, I'm going to tell you this, and then we're going to change. There's a whole movement. You know, I naturally doing a lot of research for this. I looked into things that are not true. And Brother Summerall taught me many, many years ago. I'd say, you know, there's this thing that's gotten started. Now, this was before the Internet. When the Internet came along and social media came along, everything accelerated a million times. So to get people to believe something that's not true is not difficult. It is not, all you got to do is get some social media influencer to influence you. You know who should be influencing you? Those that care for your soul. That's who should be influencing. So this thing came, he said, everything that was will be again. He'd say, yeah, I saw that in the 30s. 
so-and-so got to preaching that, and it spread around a little bit, and then it died out. He said, you will see that. Everything is cyclical or cyclical. Everything that was comes back around again. What did Solomon say, the wisest man that ever lived? He said, there's nothing new under the sun. It just comes around again. Well, apparently, this used to be a thing, and now it has exploded. Now, don't laugh, because it's going to be hard not to. Entire throngs of people are leaving Orthodox Christianity and, be, and joining the flat earth group. Flat earth. I don't mean one or two. Millions. A theory that has been disproven over and over and over and over and over, not only scientifically, but biblically. And they posture the thing that the earth is a flat sphere using scriptures strung together and taken out of context. That the earth is flat. People will believe anything in this hour. That's why we've never had more false prophets. We've never had more false teaching. We've never had more bankrupt so-called Christians. I mean bankrupt spiritually, emotionally, physically, every way. Flat earth. Now can you imagine that I just take a few scriptures and walk out here. And people would be so gullible as to let me teach them that the earth is flat. If that doesn't prove to you that charismatic people can get people to believe anything. And God save your souls. That's the reason orthodoxy says, let every man and woman seek out his salvation in fear and trembling. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.